Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. It's a Psalm of David, and we'll read all verse, all seven verses. Uh, psalm 11. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, and that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of this passage. We thank you, Lord, for the eternal word of God and that we can always depend on, on it. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us today as we consider the subject that concerns our country and uh, give us understanding in these things. Help us to realize, Lord, that even though things are not going well here, you are still in heaven and you have things under control. Your will will ultimately be done. And, Lord, that you want us to trust you and not to fear. So I pray that you'd give us understanding today about this, and I just pray that you'd comfort our hearts in knowing that you are the, the sovereign God who knows all, and you're going to make it turn out, Lord, in the, in the way that uh, you win the victory, and we win the victory, and we thank you for that. If there's anyone here today who's not trusted Jesus, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, we pray in his name. Amen. The psalm we read this morning makes it clear that God in heaven is righteous and that he loveth righteousness. It also makes clear that the earth, on the earth there are two main groups. There are the righteous, or called the upright, and also the wicked. Now, God knows which group you fall in. God knows which group you belong to because the Bible says in this passage, the Lord knows the hearts, he tries the hearts of the children of men. He beholds everything about them, he knows all that's going on. The wicked are seen as attacking the righteous in this passage, and they make ready their bows so as to shoot at them with the intent of destroying their foundations. The psalmist said some were advising him to flee to the mountains, verse 1 says, but his response was he would trust in the Lord. We find that in the beginning of verse 1. He knew that God was observing from heaven and that he would judge the wicked and that he would act favorably toward the righteous. The psalmist was assured of that. We need to be assured of that as well. The same scene is being played out today in the United States of America. The forces of evil and wickedness are attacking the very foundations of our country. Yes, we can say America is under attack. As we examine this subject, we're going to consider three areas. And first of all, we're going to look at the, the cause of the attack. Secondly, the, the components of the attack. And then the correct response to the attack. America is under attack. What's the cause of the attack? Well, I believe the cause of the, of the attack can be found in the enmity that the devil himself has toward God. The devil has an enmity toward God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 37 says, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. 
And in verse 38, it says, the, the, the field is the world, and he that sows the bad seed is the devil. And so the devil is at it, he has been at it, and he's still at it today. Since his fall, Satan has been in opposition to everything that God does. It would, shouldn't surprise us that he's opposed to a regular marriage because that's God's plan. It shouldn't be a surprise to us that he is opposed to life and in favor of abortion because God is the one who gives life. Satan is always opposed to anything that God does. God has been at work in the United States from its very beginning. Therefore, Satan is opposed to and he attacks the United States of America. I truly believe that's, that, is, that is right, that he is against the United States because God has blessed our country. The evidence of God's work in America is seen in, uh, in many ways. Our heritage, our godly heritage, and even though the devil has done much to change our country, there is still a lot that he has not changed, and he cannot change the heritage of this country, and it's evident if you just look around. I want to look, look at eight areas this morning where the godly heritage of America is seen. A godly heritage. In other words, we had beginnings and a long time after our beginning where we trusted the Lord as a country. Let's go back. I'm going to make these all C's so they'll be able, easy to see. But let's go back, first of all, to Christ, Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus has been maligned by many today, and yet he was a man who feared God and wanted to do what was right. He said this, Our Lord opened to my understanding. I could sense his hand upon me. So it became clear to me that, if, that it, that is the voyage, was feasible. All those who heard about my enterprise rejected it with laughter, scoffing at me. Who doubts that the illumination was from the Holy Spirit? I attest that he, the Spirit, with marvelous rays of light, consoled me through the holy and sacred scriptures. They inflamed me with a sense of great urgency. No one should be afraid to take on any enterprise in the name of his service. And I say that the sign which convinces me that our Lord is hastening the end of the world is the preaching of the gospel recently in many lands. So God impressed upon this man to find a land which would later become the, our, our land, the United States of America. Also following Christopher Columbus was the colonies. Now we're going to look at some things about the colonies. The colonies, actually before the colonies happened, there, was the, uh, there were the uh, pilgrims. The pilgrims came in 1620. And the New England Charter signed by, the King James, by King James I said their purpose was to advance the enlargement of the Christian religion to the glory of God Almighty. Governor William Bradford wrote in his in, at other landing, and he said this, being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven. Now that was before the colonies were actually established. But let's consider the colonies themselves. And we'll look at one example, the Rhode, Rhode Island. The Rhode Island Charter said this, we submit our persons, lives, and estates unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and to all those perfect and most absolute laws of his given us in his holy word. Well, that sound, would sound strange today, wouldn't it? But that was in the very beginning. So, Christopher Columbus, the colonies, and then the Constitution. Now, before the Constitution was the Declaration of Independence in July the 4th, 1776. 
the Declaration of Independence, uh, in doing that, they said this, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. They recognize divine providence. That's the, that's the hand of God in the affairs of men. Also, then the Constitution came in 1787. James Madison, one of the framers, wrote in 1785, whilst we assert for ourselves a freedom to embrace, to profess, and to observe the religion which we believe to be a divine origin. Now, this is freedom of religion, you know, not just the Christian religion, but any religion has freedom in the United States of America, and they recognized that way back then. And he says, the religion which we believe to be of divine origin, we cannot deny an equal freedom to those whose minds have not yet yielded to the evidence which has convinced us. If this freedom be abused, it's an, it's an offense against God, not against man. To God, therefore, not to man, must an account be, of it be rendered. Madison and others knew that man was a, were, were, men were sinful, and there had to be checks and balances in the government because of this very fact. They also knew that the republic, for the republic to succeed, that it, they had to be good people. They had to be people who feared God. And Reverend Samuel Cooper wrote this in Boston, a Boston preached on the Massachusetts establishment of, of uh, the establishment of the Massachusetts State Con- Constitution, and he said this: "Virtue is the spirit of a republic, where all power is derived from the people. All depends on their good disposition. If they are impious, uh, factious, and selfish, if they are, aban- are abandoned to idleness, dissipation, luxury, and extravagance." If they are lost to the fear of God and love of their country, all is lost. John Adams, our second president, wrote this. We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, and gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. They recognized back then it took good people to maintain the republic that we have. Today, we are losing good people. And uh, people are in charge who are not good and don't don't believe in the Lord, don't believe in the Scriptures, don't follow biblical standards, and the, and the result of that is danger to the United States. Yes, the United States is under attack. And then there's not only Columbus and the, and the colonies and the Constitution, but then there's the commanders-in-chief. The commanders-in-chief. I've written down some of the, or copied some of the uh, quotes from some of the commanders-in-chief. Let's look at some of those early ones. The first president of the United States was George Washington. He said this, no people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been been distinguished by some token of providential agency. We ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven cannot be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. John Quincy Adams said this, the first and almost the only book deserving of universal attention is the Bible. If somebody would say that today, they would be mocked and ridiculed 
and, uh, and saying that they were doing something wrong to even make a statement like that. Uh, Andrew Jackson said this, Go to the Scriptures. The joyful promises it contains will be a balsam to all your troubles. Abraham Lincoln said, it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Calvin Coolidge, uh, sometimes not talked much about, but was re- really a good man. He said this, The foundations of our society and, and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them in faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. It would be hard to support our whole manner of government if people didn't, uh, the large part of them, believe in, in the scriptures and what they taught. Well, we've arrived there at this time. And so our country is under attack. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower was the one in 1954 who added, the Congress added the words, uh, one nation under God, they added those words. And his, in his explanation of that, he said it should bring great relief. I'm not quoting him exactly, but it should, should bring great relief to the people of the United States to know that every morning in the classes, classrooms of the United States, the students would be recognizing that our nation was under God. Well, today, they don't even have the Pledge of Allegiance. I remember they did when I was in school. In fact, we had a teacher one time He was in study hall. I might have told you this. I'm not sure. But it was in study hall, and uh, he saw, or somebody pointed his his attention, that somebody had written on the American flag that was hanging on the wall. They had written on it. He got so upset. If he said, if I find out who did that, I'll break their arm. (laughs) Well, he'd get in trouble today for that. But it it was patriotism. I mean, it was respect for our country and honor to our country. And the commanders-in-chief of the past had a regard for the Lord, and that that heritage is there. But then also the churches, men of God preaching the word of God from the pulpits of the land in the very beginning of our country had a lot to do with the establishment of our country and directing those who who, uh, adopted the Constitution, directing their thoughts. Great men like Schubert Stearns, John Leland, John Witherspoon, Uh, John Waller, and later Jonathan Edwards, and George Whitfield, and Charles Finney, and D.L. Moody, and Billy Sunday. In fact, so back back years ago, and this quote is known by by many, there was a French political philosopher, his name was Alex de Tocqueville, and he said this, he visited the United States of America in her infancy to find the secret of her greatness, and as he traveled from town to town, he talked with people and asked questions. He examined our young national government and schools and centers of business, but could not find in them the reason for our our strength. Not until he visited the churches of America and witnessed the pulpits of his land aflame with righteousness did he find the secret of our greatness. Returning to France, he summarized it all by saying this. He summarized his findings by saying this. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. I wonder, has America ceased to be good? Well, the churches are evidence of the, uh, the godly heritage that we have in our country. 
The churches down through these years have done so much to spread the gospel, not only in this land, but also across the world. There has never been such a gospel-sending nation as the United States of America, and still doing it, and we're part of it. All that, that map back there, the missionaries we support, we're part of that, and sending the word of God, and the devil doesn't like it at all. And then another part of our heritage is, is the colleges. The colleges, the early colleges, such as Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Dartmouth and Columbia, which was first called King's College, and the College of William and Mary and Brown University and Queen's College, which later became Rutgers University. All these colleges were established with a religious basis. In fact, let's take Harvard for an example. The first presidents and tutors insisted that there could be no true knowledge or wisdom without Jesus Christ. But for their, their passionate Christian convictions, there would have been no Harvard. Think of it, Harvard University. Is Harvard University thought of as Christian today? By far, no. No, it isn't. Harvard's rules and precepts adopted in 1646 included the following. Everyone shall consider the main end of his life and studies, of how, and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Seeing the Lord giveth wisdom, everyone shall seriously by prayer in secret seek wisdom of him. That's Harvard University. In fact, it's according to reliable calculations, 52% of the 17th century Harvard graduates became ministers. Yes, godly heritage in our colleges back at the beginning. And then there's not only Columbus and the colonies and the Constitution and the commanders-in-chief and the churches, but also there were, and the colleges, but also there is the capital, the capital of our country, Washington, D.C. Every session of the House of the Senate and the, and the Senate begins with prayer, and each has their own chaplain. Congress has a prayer room established by the 83rd Congress with stained glass windows showing George Washington kneeling with Psalm 16-1 behind him. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. In God we trust appears opposite the president of the Senate and also appears behind the speaker of the house. That's strange today, isn't it? Above the head of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the Ten Commandments, the crier who opens each session of the court closes with the words, God save the United States and the, and the honorable court. Engraved on the metal cap of the top of the Washington Monument are the words, praise be to God. And lining the walls on the stairwell of the, are, going up the Washington Monument, monument are, are the phrases, are these phrases, search the scripture, holiness to the Lord. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The Library of Congress walls have these words. What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? Micah 6, 8. Also these words, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. That's Psalm 19, 1. The Lincoln Memorial says, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. On the Jefferson Monument are these words. God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that those liberties are the gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Yes, 
we have all these evidence of godly heritage of the United States, but then we add one more, and that is the courts. The courts had a recognition of the Lord. And back in 1892, the United States Supreme Court came down with this decision, and I quote, Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. And in this sense and to this extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. This is a religious people. This is historically true. From the discovery of this continent to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation. We find everywhere a clear recognition of the same truth. These and many other matters which might be noticed add a volume of unofficial declaration to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation. The United States Supreme Court made that, st that, that statement. Yes, the devil sees the evidence of God's work throughout the history of this country, our godly heritage, and he can't stand it. He doesn't like it, and he would be glad to destroy a place like that. He sees Christopher Columbus and the colonies and the Constitution, the commanders-in-chief and the churches and the colleges and the capital and the courts, and therefore he attacks our country because of what God has done and is doing here. What God has done and is doing here. You see, the Lord is still working in our country. In this country, there are still many, many churches that preach the word of God. In this country, they're still sending missionaries around the world to share the gospel to all lands. The devil doesn't like that. And then you add to the fact that the United States has taken an official stance uh, for the nation of Israel. And God says he will bless those who bless her and he will curse those who curse her. And they have taken a stance for Israel. And that is being compromised today. There are many today who no longer want to take that stance. There's many today who are given to anti-Semitism and our colleges are, and universities are full of it. And we are standing on dangerous ground because we are under attack. And where is that attack coming from? Is it coming from the Democrats? Is it coming from the progressives? Is it coming from the socialists? Well, yes, it is. But where does it come from, really? It comes from the devil. And the devil hates the United States of America, and we are under attack. That's the cause of the attack. Now, what about the components of the attack? What are the components of the attack? I mean, how does the devil do this? What does he attack? Well, first of all, Satan attacks our maker. That is God himself. If God is the one who's behind this and started it and blessed it, if God is the one who helped us this far and he has blessed us and used us, then he is against the Lord. He seeks to remove God from every part of our heritage, our, our society. He removes God from our schools. And he was good at doing that. He, he accomplished that when prayer was moved from schools and uh, reading the Bible removed from schools. He, he, he gets it removed from government, so government no longer depends upon the Lord, from our courts, from our families, from our businesses, from our entertainment, from our history. And, and there's a, a rewriting of history today to take out all of these godly heritages. 
and uh, he's trying to remove it from the Pledge of Allegiance. We say it, one nation under God, and there's been attempt after attempt to officially take that out. It hasn't happened yet, but they will, they're going to try to do it. And for years and years, they've been trying to take in God we trust off of our coins. Why would they do that? Because they're against God, and the devil is against God. Time is being changed. It used to be B.C. meant before Christ, and A.D. meant the year of our Lord, from the year of our Lord. And now they've changed that, and they have it instead. B.C.E., that's before common error. (laughs) They call it the common error. It's still that error. It's still A.D. or B.C. or A.D., but they don't want to call it that because they don't want to recognize Jesus. And so they they say B.C.E. or C.E., uh, we're living in, in 2021 CE by their estimation. Well, we know it's AD, but they call it CE before uh, there's the common era. And also they remo- want to remove prayer in Jesus' name. Why? Because it's an attack upon God. So they're attacking God himself. And evolution is an attack upon our creator. And so it's, uh, he's attacking the, our maker himself, the Lord. Also, Satan's attacks are against our moorings. Now, it's an old word, but mooring means that which secures us. What secures us? Well, one thing, our heritage, which I've just mentioned. That secures us in a sense. We know uh, something about our beginnings, but there's uh, attempts to discredit uh, men who had a great part in the founding of our country. So they've attacked all these men, Christopher Columbus, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Anybody they can attack, they will because they want to discredit them. They discredit our Christian heritage. They do all they can to tear us down. And there's a destroying of monuments and all that. Attacking our moorings, our heritage, and then our faith. Our faith is being attacked. Attack the Bible and the teachings. That began many, many years ago, and it continues and intensifies. And uh, there's a steady attack upon the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God had a great part in the founding of this country. And the Word of God is the Word of God. And and the devil is opposed to God. And so he attacks our moorings. And that is the thing that secures us. And that is our heritage and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He also attacks our minds. Our minds are being attacked today. Godless education. I mean, if you are a parent who have a child that's college age, if I were you, I'd very much hesitate to send them to a, a secular university. Why? Because they will tear, do everything they can to tear down the faith of your child. All that you've instilled within them for the past 18 years, they'll do all they can to tear that down because the devil is attacking the minds. Uh, there's the, what's called values clarification today. And they're mixing up everything about, uh, about values that we have. And then there's evolution, of course, that's been taught for many years. I like this uh, explanation of evolution. Let me read it to you. It's very quick. Nothing times nobody equals everything. <laughs> that's evolution. Nothing times nobody equals everything. Well, they attack our mind. The news media today is controlled. The major news outlets are controlled by those of progressive thought who do not in any way bow in allegiance to the Lord. In fact, they're opposed to his word, they're opposed to his standards, all of that. They're opposed to our country. And if you watch the major news today, you get the sense that they don't like the United States. Why? Because America is under attack. 
The devil's orchestrating it, but it is under attack. The movies today, it's hard to find a movie that you can watch without immorality and, and terrible words in it. And uh, it's just the way of, of saturating our minds and attacking our minds. The devil attacks our minds. He attacks our morals through pornography and abortion. Abortion is tied to morals because America wants to live as they want to live. They want to commit the sin that they want to commit. And if there's any result from that, they want to just destroy it and take care of that child. And, and it's the devil behind the scene attacking our morals and just doing away with them. So fornication today is accepted. It's not accepted by God. It's never been accepted by God. I don't care who does it. It's not accepted by the Lord. And the Lord says it's wrong. Homosexuality, it's LBGTQ, and they keep adding ones. <laughs> you know, lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender, queer, or questioning, and, and they keep on adding, adding others. But it's all confusion. And it's all from the devil. And he's attacking our morals in our country. He also attacks our message. And for years, it's been happening in, in mainline denominations where the message of the gospel has been attacked. The message of the scripture has been attacked. And so there's churches who have church every Sunday, but they do not believe the Bible. There are churches who meet every Sunday, but they do not believe the scripture. They have homosexual pastors they ordain women, which is opposed to the word of God, I believe. And they, they just have let down anything, any standard. They don't, they're, they're not opposed to abortion. Uh, so many things. And the devil has been attacking our message. And he dilutes the message from these people. They question the, what we preach. And uh, they question the fact that we say that uh, there's one way to heaven and only one. That's considered narrow and, and uh, bigoted and and it's, it's a question. They'll do all they can to stop evangelism. And so in the United States of America, at any given time, there are, there are cases where people are being sued because they witnessed in public. And so they're attacking that. They're attacking our, our pulpits and uh, trying to silence our pulpits. And I believe that the whole COVID thing was used of the devil to try to silence churches. It got to where some couldn't even sing. And uh, they couldn't meet, and, and uh, it was just a control. And if they were allowed to, they would control that more and more and more. And if they continue to have their way, it, you mark it down, it's going to come, uh, the persecution of Christians and churches. So what are the components of the attack? Well, all these things we've mentioned, the devil attacks all those things, and he's doing it today. But then what's the correct response to the attack? What's the correct response of the Christian? Well, first of all, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior. You see, if you haven't trusted the Lord as your Savior, you might say, well, I'm not on the wrong side, but you are. You might say, well, I, I'm, uh, I'm not progressive. I'm not uh, any of those things. I'm not a socialist or a communist. I don't believe in those things. But, but you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Lord says you're either for me or against me. And you can't be both ways. So if you haven't declared your position as a, as a person who trusts the Lord Jesus Christ and you love him and you serve him, then you're really on the other side. You remember Psalm 11 we just read? The Lord says there are two groups of people. There's the righteous or upright, and there's the wicked. And you might say, well, I'm not wicked. But if you reject the very Son of God who loved you so much that he came to this earth to die for you, 
if you're against God that much that you would reject his, his precious gift of his son to come and die for you, then God would say you are in the, in the class of the wicked. There's the righteous and the wicked. So the first thing you need to do to, as a correct response to the attack on America is make sure that you have trusted the Lord as your Savior. The battle is for your soul. Therefore, trust Jesus and the devil will lose because he will lose you. So trust the Lord. The second thing, as a Christian, you present your body to the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, you say to God as a Christian, Lord, I am not my own. You bought me, you paid for me, you saved me, you rescued me, you make sure that I'm going to go to heaven and not go to hell. I belong to you, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. You need to do that as a Christian. Every Christian needs to do that. It's just not a person who says, I'm going to be a missionary that needs to do that. Every Christian needs to say, Lord, I'm yours, and I, I present my body to you. Do with me as you want. That would solve the problem. Anybody deciding whether they're going to, if they're a Christian, deciding whether they're going to do, do, do drugs? Well, you just say, would God want me to do that? I mean, illegal drugs? Would God want me to do that? It should solve the question of whether you're going to smoke. Uh, would God want me to do that? This is God's body, not mine. I present my body to him as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable in the Lord, which is my reasonable service. Are you going to give yourself to drink? And be controlled by that? The Lord says, not if you're a Christian, you wouldn't. So there's all kinds of decisions you can make that you, you make because you're a child of God and you've made that decision, you're going to present your body to the Lord and that solves a lot of things. So the second thing is present your body to the Lord. The third thing is this, put on the whole armor of God. I mean, we're in a fight. We're in a, we're in a battle. There's an attack going on. It's not just on the United States of America. It's on the Lord and his people. There's an attack. So what should you do? Put on the whole armor of God. The Lord says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians chapter 6. So put on the whole armor of God, he says. The whole armor of God is the girdle of truth. Live with the truth governing you. The truth is what's found in the word of God. You have the girdle of truth. Have the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, you do what is right. You're faced with a decision. You say, God, what would you want me to do? And you do what is right. You do what the Word of God tells you to do. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Your shoes, that means where you go. You put on those shoes of the gospel of peace. That means you carry the message. You have the message. And with people you interact with, uh, you gladly share the message. They want to know about you and why you do this or why you don't do that. You tell them, it's because I know Jesus as my Savior. Let me tell you about him. I had the privilege the other day my, as I went to my doctor, and I've talked to him on different occasions, but I gave him a tract that I recently wrote about Jesus. Jesus, who is he? What has he done? What is he doing? What will he do? And what difference does it make? And he gladly took it and said, I appreciate that. And, uh, and so just an opportunity to share the gospel. And so take tracts with you. Uh, share the gospel. Uh, tell people about Jesus. And the Lord says we should have the shoes, the gospel of peace. Then the shield of faith, where which we'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith. I believe the Lord. And so if you 
go to school, young people, and your teacher tells uh, some of this stuff that's going out today, or she, maybe they tell about evolution, and you say, I don't believe that. I remember in college one time I had a professor, and he, he, I wrote a paper, and he brought me into his office, and he said, uh, Mr. McGuffey, he said, sounds like you have an axe to grind. <laughs> I said, no, I don't have an axe to grind. I just don't believe in this evolution you're teaching. And uh, so he, ta- he said, well, I used to be that way too. But he said, uh, I-, I finally came to the truth. Well, I've, that's been, what, 60 years ago or lo- about, not quite that. But uh, I still haven't come to his side. <laughs> but uh, we have to know what we believe, the shield of faith. And uh, you'll quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Young people today are having a lot of fiery darts thrown at them. How are they going to stop those? They have to say, I know what I believe, and I have the shield of faith. I trust the Lord, and they stop those fiery darts. And then the helmet of salvation, know that you're saved, and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Have it so you can use it as a sword. In this day of, uh, of so many lies, you need to have the Word of God. And then praying always, he says. Praying always. So how are we going to combat this, this uh, attack? How are we going to cr- have the correct response to this attack? Put on the whole armor of God. And then press on towards the goal of righteousness. Philippians chapter 3. Um, Paul said it like this. Let me read it to you. Philippians chapter 3. Not as though I had already attained, or either were already perfect, but I follow after it that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I want to lay hold on that that God laid hold on me for. Brethren, I count my, not myself to have been apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth in those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I believe he's saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like him. I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I want to live like Jesus. And so we need to do that as we respond to the attack. And then we need to ponder heaven. Ponder heaven. Aren't you glad we're going there? (laughs) You know, the more wicked it gets all around us, it's good to know it's going to end right for us because we're going to heaven. Because we are victors in Christ, heaven is our home. We love our country, yes. You might have said, how are you going to respond to this attack? Let's be patriotic. Well, I am, and uh, you should be. But that's not really the response that's needed. If we need to respond politically, we will. Why? Because we stand for what's right. If you need to respond by writing your senator or calling your senator or your, re- or your house of representative, if you need to do that, what are you doing? You're, you're responding. You're doing what's right. And so we do that. But we need to remember, our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. We're citizens, yes, in a way, a worldly way. But our citizenship is in heaven. And so we need to remember whose we are. We need to remember why we are here, where we're going, and who wins the war. And the, and the answer is, God's going to win the war. <laughs> There's an attack going on, but God's going to win the war. When the outlook is grim, try the uplook. 
and say what David said in Psalm 11. He says, in the Lord put I my trust. Trust in the Lord. And we're going to win, regardless how dark it gets. We're on the winning side, and someday we're going home. Someday we're going home. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us to realize that our nation is under attack. But Lord, I thank you that the one attacking us as a country is a defeated foe. You defeated him on the cross of Calvary. You spelled his doom, and the Bible says that he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. I pray that we'd realize we're on the winning side. We'll realize, Lord, what a godly heritage we have, how good you've been to us as a country, what you've done for us, what you're still doing for us. But Lord, also, just remind us that our hope's not in the United States. Our hope is in Jesus. And you are going to win, and we thank you that we're on the winning side with you. We pray in Jesus' name.